You're listening to a talk which is part of our Restore series. We hope this series will help people understand what it means to be a restorer and how this impacts our actions and attitudes when dealing with both the church and secular culture. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. We are, um, we make mistakes, we get it wrong, sometimes we completely miss the point and actually I think the Bible, if I was to write uh, an additional book to the Bible, um, I'd like to call it the book of Muppets because I think every passage of scripture contains some human who completely misses the point and completely goes on the wrong track and uh, one of my favorites are the Pharisees, you've got Jesus come Uh, To earth, God manifests, come to be the saviour to the Jewish people. They just don't get it at all. They're absolutely baffled. They have it in their heads that the way God's going to do it, this is God's plan. Okay, is he's going to send a warrior Messiah who's going to fight the Romans, who's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, and then everything's going to be all rosy again. But God's plan is not to restore things of old, but it's to go somewhere new, and it's to bring about a new life. And so instead, we have Christ came, not to just the Israelite people, but to the whole world, so that they can step in to uh, not sons, uh, not sons, not slaves and servants, but sons and daughters. So God doesn't open the door to uh, this kingdom where he's at the top and everyone's going around doing their thing for him. Instead, he opens his door to his home and says, come, let's be family. And uh, so I think this morning, that's, that's kind of, um, if you like, the disclaimer I want to give is that actually um, uh, God's restoration plan started a long time ago. And we as the, the third testament, if you like, the, the new people, um, we're the next stage in that. Um, and I really believe that and I, I'm really excited. Um, don't know how many people were here last Sunday. Um, Pete uh, is an absolutely quality guy, and I really encourage you to go back and have a listen to uh, the word he shared with us, because I think it's really significant. Um, I think he pointed out some really key little points. I'm just trying to find my uh, notes. Uh, Just this sense of the rebuilding of a corporate Christ. I think that's really important. We so often we define the church Um, in our own way. And actually, uh, I think God's way is actually, it is about us being Christ manifest to earth. And um, I'm going to look at that a little bit more um, in a minute, maybe, God willing. Um, Yeah, no longer just ordinary people, we're now ambassadors to the world. Um, How do we step into that? Well, I think that's about us recognizing uh, Christ having a purpose for our lives, um, recognizing that actually, even though we make mistakes like those guys and their buildings, um, we actually um, uh, have a God who doesn't mind our mistakes. Um, is just looking for our, um, yeah, our turning to Him. Um, seeing as I'm waffling, uh, let's go to Scripture. So I just really encourage you, if you've got a Bible or you can grab one nearby, uh, let's jump to Romans 12. Um, I'm sure for lots of you, you'll probably be able to quote this one without even opening your Bible. Um, I grew up in a Muslim area. All of my uh, all of my Muslim friends used to learn the whole of the Quran beginning to end. So I decided I was going to try and learn the Bible. 
I remembered about three verses, and then I forgot the verses, and then I forgot that I was trying to remember the Bible, so I stopped doing it. Um, but it's, I think it's a good principle. Um, I realized earlier on that I had a, a Maroon 5 song just going round and round and round and round in my head. Um, I'm sure my day would have gone differently if the thing that was going round and round and round in my head was Scripture. Um, and uh, so I'm challenging myself um, in coming weeks to, to kind of rekindle that. Um, actually, um, my mum used to say, Ben, you're going to turn into a packet of crisps. Why? Because you are what you eat. Um, and uh, for us this morning, I think one of the, the really um, amazing things that Jesus did, one of the amazing images he gave us is the sharing of communion. Um, you are what you eat. Well, what are you eating? You're eating the body and blood of Christ. Who are you becoming? You're becoming the Christ manifest. And for the Jewish people, they probably understood that in a whole lot more depth. Um, here you had the Passover meal, which was the, the covenant with the Israelite people. And actually, um, the Old Testament, so often, uh, God asked them to do stuff. And in the New Testament, he calls us to be stuff. So when it comes to this new covenant, God said, you know, you get a lamb and you get this and you have these bitter herbs and you do this and you do that and you do and you do and you do. And instead, what Christ offers us as he passes this cup of blessing to the, the disciples at the Last Supper, as he says, uh, it's effectively the words of the Jewish marriage ceremony. It says, will you be uh, my people? And, and actually that extension is no longer, will you do this and do this and do this and keep this command and do this? It's actually, will you be with me? And so as we share communion, I think there's a significance there that we need to, uh, we need to understand. But anyway, let's get back to Romans 12. Um, uh, I'll just read it. Um, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Um, my father-in-law often says that uh, scriptures are spoken out a lot and rarely lived. Um, and I think this is one of them, um, and I, I include myself in that. Um, it's an amazing scripture, but if we understood the depth of it, um, Leeds wouldn't look the way it looks. If we understood the fullness of this scripture, England would not be the same again. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that is, in a sense, the challenge for us is actually um, that living sacrifice. It's that same thing again. Instead of us having to go to the temple and take our goats and sacrifice them on the altar, God's no longer calling us to do a sacrifice, but to be it. And, um, and so for, for us this morning, if we want to see that revival that's promised for Leeds, we need to be that sacrifice, and we need to be um, a people um, of sacrifice. Um, I'm just going to read it again. Uh, yeah, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Um, Maybe just for two minutes, uh, just grab a person nearest you, uh, just share with them the word or the phrase from that scripture that kind of stood out um, as we've just read it now. It'd be really good just for a couple of minutes. Great. Okay. Um, There there are a couple of things I really want to pull out uh, from this verse this morning. Um, uh, I I often think... uh, it would be really good if I could learn Greek um, because there's so much that we miss in the scriptures. Um, but in this passage, there are just a couple of words I really want to um, I really want to make mention of. So um, where, when it says uh, kind of uh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Um, the word used there, sometimes translated as spiritual act of worship, or this is your true and perfect worship. Um, the actual root of that is the same we get our word logic from. And so in a sense, um, what it's actually saying is actually for us, it is just logical that given who God is and what he's done for us, that we would offer ourselves in fullness and wholeness to God uh, in the way that this verse speaks about. And I know for me, um, I have good days and I have bad days, and some days um, I, I don't want to to give myself in that way. And some days um, I hey, it's, it's all good. Uh, some days um, I don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood for it. But the truth is, in this scripture, it is just logical that if God is who He is. Why wouldn't I get up every morning with the heart to be that living sacrifice and to lay myself down so that Christ can be made live through me? And actually, that is a real challenge, and I recognize that I'm not doing that. And I recognize that the church wouldn't be the way it is in the whole world if we were all doing that. But the challenge remains. Actually, um, when we think about it and when we process it logically, God remains deserving of us in this way. And uh, so that's the, I guess that's the challenge for me um, this morning is, is actually, uh, is one, to know that, and two, to know actually, when it talks about the transforming and the renewing of our minds, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Um, the word renewing, um, I'm going to put a little picture on the screen. Um, so uh, that is a very cool-looking caterpillar. I'm sure um, if the Kelly kids were here, they would try and find it and capture it and look after it. But um, the word used for transforming, again, the root of that is the word we get metamorphosis from. Um, metamorphosis, uh, quick biology lesson. Um, the best I- image of that is caterpillar becomes a chrysalis or a cocoon. Cocoon becomes an absolutely beautiful butterfly. Um, why am I talking about this? I, I want to point out something. Um, God promised to transform our lives. That is the, 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 the promise that is given to each one of us. But it's not going to happen like that. There is a process. There is a journey. There is, um, there is work to be done. And, uh, and for us, that uh, means a total transformation from something that looks uh, very different to actually the outcome. 
Um, and I said one of the things I want to be really clear about this morning um, is actually where we're going. And it's not to, like I was saying before, that kind of all right version of ourselves, that kind of back to how it was. But actually, um, the challenge is to be transformed into something completely different. Um, not to be transformed into a better version of ourselves, but to be transformed into the Christ manifest on earth. And um, in, uh, in 2 Peter, it says this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises that so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Actually, the restoration that God wants to work in our lives is to become him. It's not to say, God, I want to allow you into my life, but it's him saying, I want to allow you into my life. And, um, and I really think for, for, for me, um, I perceive that to be, um, yeah, I, I really see that as the big challenge of the Christian walk. Um, I recently was doing some work in a little old Church of England church in the middle of Hare Hills. And I, I, I like to pick up the random old books that seem to lie around at the back of churches. They're usually very old and uh, sometimes not very interesting. But I, I wanted to read uh, just really quickly an extract from this one. Uh, it's by a, an old Anglican monk um, from like the 1800s or something. Um, but it says this, um, the exchange of hearts Um, is a long and agonizing process. It's not an easy thing to die and be reborn. There are many different kinds of saints, and for some we think as fierce and some gentle. Some can find God only by withdrawing from the world, but others find him in the midst of men and in the voice of nature. But one thing they are all equally fierce and unrelenting about is their struggle to find and kill the self in order to step into Uh, the childhood of God. For this is a thing where we can have no half measures. It is the whole heart that has to be exchanged. Sometimes there is an obvious clear-cut choice to be made. I know that this is what I want and that God's will is different and you choose the will of God. That is something, but it is only a beginning. There are other choices to be made where the thing you want is not wrong in itself, and yet may not be in God's will for you at that particular moment. And if you can school yourself to always choose the will of God in these things, that is something much more. But still, it is only a beginning. You've not yet allowed the power of God to be transformed fully into the Christ. You must learn to be able to say beforehand, whatever may happen, that it is your will to do the will of him who sent you into the world to praise him. And you must learn to say it utterly and of everything. It means that there must be nothing, however small, however good, to which you would cling to for a moment against the God, God's will. There is nothing about which you have not already said, thy will be done. Um, 
I think what the, the person writing this is getting at is actually the choice to step into the life of Christ, to be Christ manifest to the world around us, seems like a massive thing. Seems like, um, seems like a, an impossible mountain to climb. But the challenge is actually to, in the small things and in the little things, to have God's will at the first and foremost in our minds. And actually, um, you know, the, the title this morning was The, the Transformation from Within. Um, the within bit that has to shift is actually whose will comes first. And, um, you know, the, 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 the image which we got from the, um, that prophetic word of, of Leeds being at the source of a revival in this nation, um, my only slight correction I'd like to make to that prophetic word, if I could be so bold, is that actually what constitutes Leeds isn't a city of buildings, of streets, of places, but it's a city of people. And if we want to see this prophetic word come into fruition and we want to see revival break out in this city, it has to start at home in our hearts. And that might not be an easy thing. That might mean laying some things down. It might mean sacrificing some of our own desires and our own will. But the truth is there is a promise over this city and there's a promise over each one of us of a restoration, not to a halfway house, but to a whole hog of stepping into the divine life with Christ. And so um, uh, I don't know if we can have the cross down. Um, I don't know how heavy it is. might be. All right, Stu, thanks. Um, if the cross, carried so wonderfully by Stu, um, if the cross was just about me righting my wrongs and saying sorry to God and, and accepting his forgiveness, then I could have joined the queues of Jews who would go down to the, the river and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. But actually... The cross stands for so much more than that because this was our entrance into that divine life with Christ. It was an invitation to step into something beyond ourselves. And actually, as Christ died and rose again, and it says in Scripture about us dying with him and rising with him, in the same way, that needs to be made manifest in our lives. That as we call ourselves born-again Christians, we truly are born, not into ourselves again, but into the Christ. And, um, and so this morning, um, I really want us to, um, to recognize a few things. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say a whole lot more, I don't think, uh, this morning. Um, I'm going to just quickly show you a clip. That was it. Do you put it on again for us? Hit play. Um, how do we seek out that restoration that's promised for us? Um, I want to keep it simple. Um, and I, I think the, the, the bottom line is God is always waiting for his people to just say yes to him. And if we desire this restoration, and if we desire, um, here we go, I'll come back to that.
Very nice. Um, the, the point of that was, was to point out two things. Uh, for that restoration to happen, uh, someone had to open the door to those restorers coming in and, and making changes in there. And uh, I know when uh, John Master Giovanni was here, he was talking a lot about the gatekeeper and this sense of which we're in control of what we allow uh, into our hearts and our lives. And um, actually, this restoration, this actual process that begins, uh, begins with us saying yes to God doing that. Um, and, uh, and so that, in a sense, is, is the, the, the first thing is saying yes to those restorers coming in. And the second thing is um, that restoration required restorers. It required people um, to go in and to do that building work and to make those changes. And the reason we're, um, we're not alone in this, me and John were, were reflecting as we took communion together, um, it is not good for man to be alone. Actually, that is just as true when we talk about our restoration um, uh, I said something along the lines to John, it, it's actually, it might seem easier to be alone, but it is not good for us to be alone in this. And so as we go through this journey of, of seeking out uh, God's transformation in our lives, we need to be prepared to allow people into that journey. Um, some of that's about accountability. Some of that is about challenging each other and having good people in our lives who who, um, who, yeah, who challenges and who hold us to account and who will f- uh, help feed us good things, who will encourage us, who will build us up. That's the purpose, in a sense, of us being a people. Um, we need to uh, be prepared for restorers to come in. And, and the second thing um, linked to that is we need to be prepared to be restorers ourselves. And we need to be prepared to hear what God's saying for our brother and our sister and actually to be a part of that process. And your part in that process might be the kick in the bum to get it started. Your part in that process might be that word of encouragement that's needed on that day. But we need to be prepared and we need to have our hearts and our ears open to what God's saying. So that we can be a restorer as much as we're being restored ourselves. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and for the final thing really... Um, this morning, I was really encouraged by our time of worship. Um, the sense I got was that actually, um, rather than having a plan, and we said, right, this is what we're going to do, there was a sense in which we said, we're just abandoned to you this morning, God. And, um, and the reason I think that's quite key is um, it says in, in the Psalms, time time again, Psalm 100 being an example, um, that actually when we praise... We, um, we call God in. And when we praise, and it, um, Psalm 100 in particular, um, it says, um, yeah, um, let me find it, because otherwise I'll say something random. But um, it talks about entering into his gates with thanksgiving, um, entering into his courts with praise. Oh, thank you, love. Um, Anyone who's confused, that's my wife. That's why I called her love. Um, yeah, uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. In a sense, our ticket into that presence of God is our praise. Now, that doesn't need to be reversed. We don't praise so we get in. 
We praise because it's logical, he's worthy, and he's deserving. But our praise is our entrance into his presence. And so in a sense, for us to see that transformation, one of the starting places might be that we stop looking at ourselves, and I call myself in on this one, that uh, sometimes we can focus on our problems, we can focus on I'm not feeling like it today or I'm not sure I want to. But actually, we need to stop looking at ourselves and start looking at him. Because if we did look at him, in those moments, we'd see he deserves that praise and, uh, and that would take us into his presence. And then all that stuff that we're concerned about for ourselves would change in that process. Um, and so, in a sense, our praise is our entrance into that. Um, a random quote I just found, uh, I don't know where I found it, but um, the spiritual law of choosing, of believing, of abiding, of holding steady in our walk with God is essential to the working out of the Holy Spirit, either in our sanctification or our healing. I'll just read that again. Uh, the spiritual law of choosing Believing, abiding, and holding steady in our walk with God is essential to the working of the Holy Spirit, either in our sanctification or our healing. Um, We need to be prepared to abide in God and look to him and uh, pursue his presence in our praise um, because he deserves it of us. And uh, this transformation, this restoration, this leads changing will come when we turn and face the, the, the God and then turn to face the world with his love and his life shining from us. I really believe that. Um, I love Moses because he, again, was one of the Muppets. Um, he told a voice speaking from a burning bush that it was wrong, essentially. Um, and yet, God used him for so much. Um, and as he meet, met with God on Mount Sinai, um, I think it was Mount Sinai, um, and he encountered the presence of the king. Um, his whole makeup was transformed, and his face shone with the glory of God, and the world around him, the people, the Israelites, their perception of him was changed because they saw God shining from him. And in the same sense, I think um, as we praise, we step into that in a sense. As we, um, yeah, as we give God our worship, um, the natural change that happens in us will transform the world around us. Um, I don't really want to say anything more, but I think maybe there's a, there's a sense in which there's a, a response we need to make, I think. Um, in the same way that I really believe there's a response we need to make in terms of that prophetic word over Leeds. Um, and that response, I think, was very, 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 very well put by Brian this morning. And it was turn up the volume. Let's step it up a gear. Let's, um, let's actually um, start to climb this thing. Um, and I don't think that's actually something that happens in here. And I don't think it happens down the road in, I don't know, St. George's or up the road in St. Chad's or wherever you want to say it goes, I don't think it's happening within the church. I think it's happening first and foremost in here. The response needs to be that I'm going to step it up a gear and I'm going to um, face up to the challenge 
and take on those small changes to say, yeah, God, your will first and mine second. Um, and as we start to do that, um, yeah, that transformation, that process will start to work its way um, until the point when we stand no longer as Ben Cordy or Jess Cordy or Mark Kelly. We stand as the manifest Christ to this city and to this world. It's not dependent on us. It's dependent on who we become. And so um, so I guess um, it would be really good, Jess, I don't know if you want to come up. Um, uh, it would be good to praise. Um, praise has, has got to be our response. Um, it would be good to pray for each other, so maybe that's something we could do first, uh, to pray for each other on our tables. Um, maybe the prayer you want to pray is, what is it from this morning I need to take away? Uh, maybe it's actually a specific situation you need prayer for. Um, and maybe it's actually a sense of uh, that stepping up in your spirit, um, that actually the, the beat would start to change. And um, so it would be really good uh, to pray for each other at tables, and um, these guys will start to play, and then let's just join together in worship this morning. Let's um, turn to the king and uh, give him praise.